Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, from the arts to sports and from business to history and everything in between including your stories, send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. Today, our regular contributor, Bill Brike, brings us a fascinating story about the day British troops finally left American soil after the end of the Revolutionary War. Here's Bill. The British Army held New York City for two years after Cornwallis surrendered to George Washington at Yorktown. 
on October 19, 1781. The city's population had fallen below 10,000. Most of the residents were loyalist refugees from revolutionary terrorism. Accident, disaster, and the war had disrupted civic life. The Great Fire of September 21, 1776 had burned everything between Whitehall and Broad Streets, as far up Broadway as Rector Street and as far up Broadway as Beaver Street. Rents had risen 400% within the first year of occupation. The price of food and other goods and services, 800%. The Provincial Assembly, City Council, and courts were dormant, although nothing indicates the politicians had stopped drawing their salaries. The city was governed by the British Army, and its government, in the absence of a free press, had become corrupt. Some New Yorkers made fortunes. Mr. Joshua Loring, who had pimped his blonde wife to General Sir William Howe to gain appointment as commissary of prisoners, became wealthy by selling provisions meant for prisoners of war on the black market. Others cloaked their sadism in the red coat. Captain William Cunningham, the provost marshal, commanded the jails and prison ships holding American prisoners of war. The Sons of Liberty had roughed him up before the war. He repaid the debt with interest. He enjoyed torturing people. According to Burroughs and Wallace's Gotham, Cunningham admitted to murdering as many as 2,000 American prisoners by starvation, hanging, or poisoning their flour rations with arsenic. At night, he swaggered through his domains, wearing the red coat with silver lace and epaulets, the cocked hat, the powdered wig, and the tall glossy boots and spurs, with a whip in his hand, sending his prisoners to bed, shouting, Kennel ye, sons of Kennel ye. On November 30th, 1782, the American and British delegates signed preliminary articles of peace. The first article reads, His Britannic Majesty acknowledges the said United States to be free and independent states. The articles were proclaimed in the king's name from the steps of the city hall on Wall Street. The loyalists were horrified. William Smith, a longtime resident, merchant, and fervent loyalist, wrote that the news shocks me as much as the loss of all I had in the world and my family with it. Thousands sold everything, furniture, houses, land, goods at fire sale prices and prepared to leave. A few committed suicide. A few were confident of their ability to survive any change of regime. James Riker recorded that a New Yorker said to his tailor, how does business go? Not very well, the tailor replied. My customers have all learned how to turn their own coats. Sir Guy Carleton commander-in-chief of His Majesty's forces in North America, began organizing his command's withdrawal from the city in April 1783. Concerned about personal reprisals against the Loyalists, he held out until every Tory who wanted to get out had left. In the meantime, his staff arranged transportation, settled accounts, paid bills, and auctioned off huge quantities of army surplus. The first 5,000 Loyalists left New York for Nova Scotia and New Brunswick on April 27, 1783. Thousands more followed. With them were numerous African-Americans, former slaves, freed by the British military government for their services in the King's armies. On September 3, 1783, Americans, British, French, and Spanish signed the Treaty of Paris. 
The news reached New York in early November. On November 21, 1783, Carleton ordered all British forces to withdraw from Long Island and Upper Manhattan. That morning, George Washington met George Clinton, the governor of New York, at Terrytown. They rode south through Yonkers to Harlem, where they stopped at a tavern near what is now Frederick Douglass Boulevard and 126th Street. The day chosen for the evacuation was Tuesday, November 25th, 1783. It dawned cold with a bitter northwest wind. During the morning, a Mrs. Day ran up the stars and stripes over her tavern and boarding house on Murray Street, its first appearance in the city since September 1776. Captain Cunningham, resplendent in red coat and white wig, pounded on the door. Take in that flag, he roared. The city is ours until noon. He then tried to pull it down. She belted him full in the face with her broomstick, bloodying his nose, and then dealt the captain such lusty blows as made the powder fly in clouds from his wig and forced him to beat a retreat. Washington had chosen General Henry Knox to command the American troops marching from McGowan's Pass in what is now Northeastern Central Park into the city. Knox had been a bookseller, a dumpy, bespectacled little man who had read every book in his stock. The war transformed his theoretical passion for artillery after all, he'd read all the books about it, into practical experience. Behind the glasses and the big belly was the soul of a lion. And you're listening to Bill Bright tell the story of the British troops finally leaving New York. The British had come to win. And my goodness, the battle inside this country, the loyalists taking one side, that was one-third of the country siding with the crown, one-third with the patriots, and one-third hiding under their desks, hoping for it to pass over. And New York City, chaos, people fleeing. It was an exodus. The town had 27,000 people. At certain points, it got down to 8,000. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, the British finally leaving America once and for all, that story here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. And we're back with Our American Stories and the story of Evacuation Day, the now-forgotten holiday which celebrated the 25th of November in 1783. On that day, the British armies finally left the now-free United States after the Revolutionary War. When we last left off, Bill Bright was telling us how General Washington had chosen a bookseller-turned-general to take over as the British left our new country. Here's Bill to tell us more about General Henry Knox.
1775, in the dead of winter, he inspired Continentals and militiamen to drag the cannons seized at Ticonderoga in the name of the great Jehovah and the Continental Congress to Albany and across the Berkshires to Washington's army at Boston, and he had marched with them. As a boy, I noticed a monument near my family's home in Latham, New York. It read, Through this place, past General Henry Knox in the winter of 1775-1776 to deliver to General George Washington at Cambridge the train of artillery from Fort Ticonderoga used to force the British army to evacuate Boston. Knox set out early from McGowan's Pass, heading a column of some 800-foot dragoons and artillery. He paused at the Bowery and 3rd Avenue, near today's Cooper Union, until 1 p.m., chatting with the British officers commanding the Redcoats standing a block or so before him. The last British detachments now received orders to move. They moved down the Bowery and Chatham Street, picking up their outposts as they passed, and wheeling into Pearl Street, marched to the East River wards where they were rowed to the fleet. Knox followed the British down Chatham Street and then turned onto Broadway. He marched south to Capes Tavern, a little below Trinity Church, and formally took possession of New York City in the name of the United States. On receiving a message from Knox that he had done so, Washington swung into the saddle and rode downtown, Governor Clinton at his side. At the new jail, at the northeast corner of today's City Hall Park, Captain Cunningham paraded the Provo Guard for the last time. Accompanied by the hangman in his yellow jacket, Cunningham's command passed between a platoon of British troops, which fell in behind them as they marched down Broadway. They and the City Hall's main guard thus became the last enemy forces in history to occupy New York City. Washington rode down Pearl Street to Wall Street and then went on Wall to Broadway. At Cape's Tavern, a group of citizens welcomed the commander-in-chief. An eyewitness said, The troops just leaving us were as if equipped for show and with their scarlet uniforms and burnished arms made a brilliant display. The troops that marched in, on the contrary, were ill-clad and weather-beaten and made a forlorn appearance. But then they were our troops, and as I looked at them and thought upon all they had done for us, my heart and eyes were full, and I admired and gloried in them the more because they were weather-beaten and forlorn. The British had left the Union flag flying over Fort George on the battery. The halyards, the lines for raising and lowering the flag, were gone. The banner had been nailed to the staff. And the pole was greased, heel to truck, to prevent or hinder the removal of the emblem of royalty and the raising of the stars and stripes. The grease rebuffed all efforts to climb the staff. In the crowd was Captain John Van Arsdale, a New Yorker, revolutionary soldier, and peacetime sailor. Recalling Peter Goulet's hardware store about 10 minutes away in Hanover Square, he sprinted across town and liberated a saw, hatchet, cleats, rope, and nails. He began nailing the cleats into the greasy pole. He climbed a little, drove in more cleats, and climbed farther. Bit by bit, he ascended the pole. He reached the top. He ripped down the British flag and flung it to the cheering crowd. Then he attached new halyards, 
and scrambled down the pole as the Stars and Stripes ran up it. General Knox's field guns began a 13-gun salute. As the colors went up and the cannon roared, the British weighed anchor and made for the open sea. That night, Washington and his officers met with General Clinton in France's tavern at Broad and Pearl Street for a feast of reason and a flow of soul. They offered 13 toasts to allies, friends, comrades living and dead, their hopes for their new country, and certain immutable principles. The next nine days were marked by what one observer called good humor, hilarity, and mirth. Thus, at Governor Clinton's dinner for the French ambassador on Tuesday, December 2nd, 1783, his 120 guests consumed 135 bottles of Madeira, described as, it may not look like much, but it can fell an elephant, 36 bottles of port, 60 bottles of beer, and 30 bowls of punch, while breaking 60 wine glasses and eight cut glass decanters. On Thursday, December 4th, Washington breakfasted with his officers in the long room on the second floor of France's tavern. Then the commander-in-chief rose to his feet, and there was silence. Most intelligent warriors who have written of their experiences from Xenophon to William Manchester admit that they fought not for king, flag, or country, but for the guys they were with. The revolutionaries were no exception. Washington said, With a heart full of love and gratitude, I now take leave of you. I most devoutly wish that your later days may be as prosperous and happy as your former ones have been glorious and honorable. Then he could say no more. General Knox stepped forward, embraced him, and both men wept. At last... Composure regained, the commander-in-chief went down the stairs, popped on his cocked hat, and strode into Pearl Street. The infantryman snapped to present arms. He acknowledged the salute. Then he walked west. Orders were barked. The column moved out behind him. Near the battery, at the foot of Whitehall Street, a barge waited to take him to Paulus Hook on the New Jersey shore. From there, he traveled to Philadelphia, where he resigned his commission to Congress and returned to private life. November 25th was celebrated as Evacuation Day in New York for more than a century. But Evacuation Day was gradually overwhelmed by R.H. Macy's aggressive promotion of Thanksgiving, a rival end-of-November holiday. Around the beginning of the First World War, it faded away. Yet in 1983, through the support of Manhattan Borough President Andrew Stein, New York City commemorated the bicentennial of the evacuation. A parade marched down Broadway to the Battery, featuring hundreds of reenactors in the uniforms of the British and Continental forces. The British Union flag was flying from the staff of Castle Clinton. Then Harry Van Arsdale, the Union leader and direct descendant of Captain Van Arsdale, stepped forward to lower the British colors, which were presented to Her Majesty's Consul General, who kissed them. Van Arsdale clipped the stars and stripes to the lanyards and ran it up the pole. A dozen brass muzzle-loader cannon along the battery began firing a salute, and the crowd cheered wildly. On August 16th, 1824, Marie-Joseph-Paul-Yves-Roche-Gilbert de Mautier, Marquis de Lafayette, the last living general of the Revolution, 
the hero of two worlds, landed at the Battery to begin his tour of the United States. Tens of thousands were awaiting him. Among them was a company of veterans of the Revolution. The Marquis insisted on inspecting them and slowly walked down the line, greeting and shaking hands with each man. Lafayette took a second look at the last man. Then he smiled. Van Arsdale, he said, I remember you. Then the captain who had ascended the flagpole and the Marquis who had been a major general at 19 embraced. And we thank Bill Bright for that beautiful storytelling. And my goodness, well, that's why we do what we do here at Our American Stories. Uh, What we've lived through as a country, what George Washington did. Evacuation Day, the day the British troops finally leave America in 1783. Put that on your celebration calendar, folks. What a great day, especially if you're New Yorkers. This is Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com 
slash OAS. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This is Our American Stories, and some of our favorite stories on our show well, there's stories about this country's founding, stories about our history. By the way, all of those stories, our history stories, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College. Today's history story is about Calvin Coolidge and his hometown, Plymouth Notch, Vermont. Here's Vermont historian and journalist Mark Bushnell with the story. History can seem oddly close at hand. Calvin Coolidge was born on the 4th of July, 1872, and died in 1933. But visit his homestead in Plymouth Notch, Vermont, and you might feel like you just missed him. The tiny community that formed the universe of his childhood, and which helped form him, remains intact. A visit to Plymouth Notch, now a state historic site and a national historic landmark, provides a glimpse of the man that no book can offer. To many people, the idea of reading a book about Coolidge, much less visiting his homestead, might seem like a joke. In the popular imagination, Coolidge has become a caricature of himself, dry and dull. The caricature is a poor likeness. Coolidge was a man of few words, but those words were well chosen. Few presidents can match his eloquence, or, despite the stolidity of his appearance, his passion. At the Homestead's Visitor Center, you'll find a display featuring a few of Coolidge's most profound quotes like his remarks at the 150th anniversary celebration of the Declaration of Independence. We live in an age of science and of abounding accumulation of material things, he said. The things of the spirit come first. Unless we cling to that, all our material prosperity, overwhelming though it may appear, will turn to a barren scepter in our grasp. Look around the homestead and you'll see the forces that shaped Coolidge. He adored the sheer beauty of the place, nestled in the hills and surrounded by rolling farm fields. And he loved his family and neighbors. He was particularly attached to his mother, Victoria, who bore him in a small bedroom attached to the general store his father ran. You can still visit the store, now run as a gift shop, and look into the bedroom, complete with its original furnishings. Much of what you will see at the homestead is original from the clothes hanging in the bedrooms to the carriages in the barns, because the property remained in the possession of family members until they donated it to the state of Vermont. The Coolidge family moved across the street to a larger house when Calvin was four, 
It was there, beside the cheese factory his grandfather founded, that the future president grew up. It was there also that Victoria Coolidge died when her son was only 12. The greatest grief that can come to a boy came to me, Coolidge wrote of his mother's death in his autobiography. Life was never to seem the same again. Coolidge's affection for his hometown didn't die with his mother, however. Even after college and career took him to Massachusetts and later to Washington, he returned regularly. It was there in August 1923, while visiting as vice president of the United States, that he learned of the sudden death, apparently from a stroke, of President Warren Harding. The homestead had no telephone at the time, so an employee of the Bridgewater Telephone Office had to deliver the news in person, arriving after midnight. Coolidge's father, John, answered the door, then went upstairs to wake his son and tell him that he was now president. Coolidge immediately wired Washington for the oath of office. The text arrived a couple of hours later. Coolidge, now dressed and shaved, gathered with his father, his wife Grace, and several others shortly before 3 a.m. in the family parlor, which was lit by a single kerosene lamp. Then he placed his hand on the family Bible and had his father, a justice of the peace, administer the oath. The room today as much as it was that night. Light filters hazily through gauzy white curtains. A kerosene lamp sits on a small square table that stands in the middle of the room. Though he lived in the White House, Plymouth Notch continued to draw Coolidge, especially when he needed comfort. It was there that he returned in 1924 in the aftermath of a personal tragedy involving his elder son, Calvin Jr. Photographs at the homestead show Calvin Jr. as a boy, posing beside some tobacco leaves he has helped harvest at a local farm. He has a wide grin. A shock of dark hair covers his forehead. He's a beautiful child. Another shot shows him with his parents at the White House. Perhaps he's just cracked a joke because, uncharacteristically, his father's lips are pulled tight in a broad smile. Calvin Jr. died while his father was president. He developed blood poisoning from a blister he got playing tennis. In the days before penicillin, there was little the doctors could do. When he went, Coolidge later wrote, the power and the glory of the presidency went with him. Just weeks after Calvin Jr. died, Coolidge spent 12 days in Plymouth Notch. With him came his staff and 18 Secret Service agents. Telephone and telegraph wires had to be strung to the village. Above the store, Coolidge Hall, which was ordinarily used for community dances and Grange meetings, became the Summer White House. Photographs show workers sorting through bags of mail at the long, simple tables that were made for White House use and which remain in the hall today. All that mail flowing through Plymouth Notch was a boon to the local postmaster, Florence Seeley, who was paid based on the amount of postage she sold. Ordinarily, she made about $50 a year. During those two weeks, she earned $1,500. With the president came the press corps, which turned the summer into one long photo op. Photographers sent the world images of Coolidge chatting with neighbors, cutting hay with a scythe, and fishing. When he did farm chores, the president donned his grandfather's old farm smock, a formless, coarsely woven garment that seemed like the ones in paintings of feudal serfs. People mocked the photos, saying the president looked ridiculous wearing that old thing. They considered a bumbling effort to seem like a hardworking man of the people. In fact, Coolidge wore the smock because that's what he always wore when he did his chores. It's just that no one ever bothered to publish his picture doing it before. Coolidge was hurt by the criticism. Afterwards, he took to doing chores dressed in a coat and tie. 
Today, the old smock hangs on the wall of one of the homestead's bedrooms. Below it are two pairs of Coolidge's shoes, small and neatly polished. Looking at them, you half expect the man to enter the room, grab one of the pairs, sit on the bed, and lace them up. But Coolidge doesn't. He now rests just down the road at the Plymouth Notch Village Cemetery. His grave, with its simple headstone, sits beside those of Grace, Calvin Jr., and their younger son, John. Unlike many former presidents, Coolidge doesn't have tour buses pulling up regularly to gawk. Most days, you can visit the gravesite alone and experience the tranquility of the place Calvin Coolidge was proud to call home. And a special thanks to Joey Cortez for his fine work on that piece. And thanks to Mark Bushnell, who's a Vermont historian and journalist. And what I love most about this show is we look at people not out of context, but in their time, and try to humanize people that we either didn't know or thought we knew. And presidents are just people, and they had ordinary lives before they led these extraordinary lives. And it's so easy to fall prey to caricature by the media and by the press. And if we can do any justice here, it's to let people know that these were real-life human beings living in the times they lived and we have to judge them within that context, within the times they lived. And it's easy to look back and question who they are and what they do. We don't do that here on the show. We just play it straight. And hopefully people writing about us 300 years or 200 years from now will afford us the same courtesy. The story of Calvin Coolidge and his hometown of Plymouth Notch, Vermont. And by the way, if there are museums particularly presidential museums or others like it around the country, and you know the local historian, give us a call, share those stories with us, or go to ouramericanstories.com and leave a message. It's easy to do. You can see it right on our navigation bar. And we'll get back to you because we love these stories about our country. Again, the story of President Coolidge and his hometown, Plymouth Notch, Vermont, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is Our American Stories, and now we bring you a story brought to us by the Coalition for Better Health at Lower Costs. At Loma Linda University Health, they've sought not to see patients as customers, but as people. And they seek to treat the whole person through lifestyle disciplines inspired by Blue Zone principles. You can find out more about Blue Zones through Dan Buettner's book, The Blue Zones. Andrew Millard's primary work is with Loma Linda's proton cancer patients. Here's Andrew. I tried to get out of healthcare um, a couple different times, um, and uh, I, I just kept getting getting pulled back into it. I've got experience in the whole nursing home industry. I did a, a year doing nursing home administration uh, for a company that uh, that used to own about 50 nursing homes in California. And I, I didn't like being a part of that experience because it, one, it kind of just felt like a trap. People come and they stay and they, they kind of have to be there and they don't want to be there. They don't like to be there. It's complete opposite from the way Loma Linda is, you know, with our patients now because, um, you know, uh, people are here by choice now and they want to be here and they love this. The experience is just completely flipped on, on, its, on its back here because in nursing homes, there's no quality of life. But here, that's all that we're doing is teaching the quality of life and showing people what quality of life can be like. I manage the patient services department here in Loma Linda, a very, very unique uh, department down here. There's actually only, only two of us, but we're very um, connected with the patients and providing them with, with housing and connecting them with resources in the community so that they can come and be here. Because coming and being here is like a you know, nine week, 10 week investment. So it really kind of unplugs you from your life to come down here. So we get to kind of be there with them, assisting them in that process and in the journey while they're down here. 
And we use these Blue Zones um, topics. We have educational speakers that come in all the time and speak to our patients uh, once a week during our special support group. We bring in a speaker and we talk about Blue Zone nutrition, you know, and what it means to, to eat healthy, um, you know, to get away from foods that are more processed and get into the less processed, less refined, just more natural foods and, and natural existence. Uh, they talk about that sort of thing. They talk about the Blue Zone community and how really connecting with people and having a, a community to belong to um, can add, I think Dan Buettner said, four to 14 years to your life, you know, of extra life expectancy. We talk about all that kind of stuff with our patients and they're here for this, this, uh, this journey for nine weeks you know, while they're down here and they learn all this stuff, you know, they get to be a part of all of this while they're here. It's it's so, so much fun to be involved with and, and just see the transformation that happens in people when, they, when it clicks with them. And you can tell when it's clicked because then all of a sudden they're interested and they're asking questions and they want to know more. And they're really like connected with it. It's like they've got something, they don't want to let it go. Um, but the, the camaraderie, the experience here is, is not unlike an experience about like going to war. These guys, you know, they go to war and they're, you know, they're sleeping in tents together. They're sleeping behind rocks. You know, they're, they're day in and day out. They're, they're at war. They're in the front lines. Well, these people here are in the front lines of fighting cancer. And so it's a similar experience. They're going through this with their buddy next to them and they have to rely on their buddy next to them, you know, because they've got questions, they've got experiences, they've got difficult things that they're going through while they're down here too. And lots of times just having somebody to talk to about those sorts of, you know, difficult things is really, really helpful for them. This kind of thing, these two people, three people, you know, we have 20, 25 people come into our group. They just get together and they share with each other and they uplift each other and encourage each other. And these people are, are bringing, I mean, it's incredible what, what they end up doing as a result. They're, they're here being treated for cancer, but they're going around the hospital and they're praying for other people in the hospital because they want to be part of the healing experience. They're building wooden toys. I had a guy who recently was, uh, built a bunch of wooden toys and brought them into the children's hospital around Christmas time to like, give the kids something to do. You know, they're here and they're in the middle of the healing and they're contributing to the healing of others. And so that's just like mind boggling for me. Our proton patients in the community are like well known for being just incredible patients. The restaurants we go to are like, hey, what are we celebrating this evening? You know, or is there a birthday? And people are like, oh, we're here being treated for cancer. And then, you know, we hear our waitress say, wait, what? You guys have been laughing and joking around this whole time. What is going on here? You guys are kind of weird, you know? Um, it's, it's just incredible, like what, what can happen with that. And it's just, it's just the fact that people here, they care so much about um, getting the most out of life and just being alive to its fullest, whatever that means, that means physically, mentally, or spiritually, just being alive and they're excited about it. So I'm, I'm in a unique position to where I get to kind of marry the Blue Zone community and men mentality of this, of this area, this community. Uh, I get to marry that with the treatment that we're doing here with Proton. Lots of them consider it a new lease on life. There's a, there's a publication, a research publication, one of our patients shared recently about how uh, men who were treated 
for prostate cancer, lots of times, you know, take a new perspective on life after treatment. You know, once they've taken care of this cancer thing and it's behind them, and, you know, they, they've, they've recovered, they've healed, they're, they're, they're in better health than before. Um, and it's actually like a, a, a researched fact. There's statistical numbers on it. Like it's pretty impressive. Um, so that sort of thing happens when we start to kind of think that that our, our our lifespan may be, you know, coming to an end. Like it really does a number on our psyche. It really does a number on our minds. Um, and people don't know what to do with that. You know, they get scared. They don't know what to do with that. Am I going to die? Well, then what's going to happen to my family? Well when they come down here, you know, and they start experiencing this sort of just uplifting, wholesome environment, the body becomes like a, a more healing, anti-inflammatory state because it's like, you know, it's all this positivity you're surrounding yourself with and this exercise that they're doing and all of this sort of thing. So not only do they get a better edge on cancer, you know, a better chance to, to beat cancer, they, they learn about, you know, about God. And so that helps with the mind. You think, well, well hang on, even if the end is tomorrow, you know, it doesn't have to be the end forever. Well, that's an interesting perspective. So these people are thinking about this sort of thing. You know, we talk about this sort of thing in our groups and that really helps with the healing too, you know, because we're not meant to be stressed out and fearful, you know? How many times does it says, you know, have no fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear in the Bible. And that's, you know, it's, that's not something that people experience while they're here. They experience a, a, a love, you know, a really unique love. The first week that I was here, I was taking pictures in the bathrooms. I was, this could sound weird, but I was taking pictures in the bathrooms of the uh, of the Bible verses that people put on the walls here. Like you go into the bathrooms and there's uplifting Bible verses in the stalls and stuff. And for me, it was like, what kind of uplifting place is this? So I'd sit, I'd take these pictures and send it to my wife, um, you know, and she'd kind of get a giggle out of it. It was really cool. It's amazing to me to be able to see the transformation that happened. We do a graduation ceremony for all of our patients that are leaving. Uh, and Tuesday nights we get together, we have this potluck and we have the, the graduation programs. And so people that are getting up and leaving us, you know, they tell about their journey and their experience and, you know, what's happened to them. Um, well, just last week we had a guy from Jersey uh, who, who graduated um, and he started a journal while he came down here. Uh, and so the first entries in his journal he told us were, um, I didn't read his journal, but he told us about his journal. And he said the first entries were, um, you know, things like, oh, you know, we went to go get treatment today. Uh, uh, I had a sandwich at the cafeteria and then, um, you know, about six o'clock tonight, uh, I was gonna catch the game and then we went to bed, you know? I mean, it was just basic stuff like that. But at the end of his journal, after, after his nine weeks of being here, the things that he was exploring about his beliefs and his spirituality and his his growth, just the depth that he got into in his journal was just night and day from the beginning to the end because because of this whole experience. He's writing about, you know, what's next for him and his family and, and his dreams and his visions of the future, you know, with these high hopes and dreams of affecting change in his community going home. And it's not writing about a sandwich that you ate for lunch, that's for sure. The transformation that he had was huge. And he he's one of the guys that left here and said, Andrew, this place is incredible. I We consider this our radiation vacation. You know, we came here for treatment of cancer and we got treatment for everything. So uh, it was a very heartfelt, I mean, we had a full-blown church service that night because everybody was just like, we didn't, we don't feel like we got here by accident. Nobody lands here by accident. 
So I, I, I love hearing those stories, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there, there's something happening here. And really, we got to give credit where credit's due, man. God's responsible for this place. It's not a coincidence that this small institution in Southern California became the world's very first hospital-based proton treatment center. That's amazing. It should have been some huge organization to do that, but no, Loma Linda was the first one to do it. That's incredible. And it's it's just so happens to be one of the blue zones now, and it's like, it's, it's working. So I love being a part of it, man. I, I love it. And you've been listening to Andrew Millard's voice. My goodness, calling something your radiation vacation? Well, that's some kind of hospital. Andrew Millard's story here on Our American Story. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.